Politics. The mere mention of the word can disrupt friendships and turn Thanksgiving conversation into a food fight. But let's face it, it's going to take legislation to bring trust to the blockchain space. Today, we welcome Alex Merced, Vice Chairman of the Libertarian National Committee to the show. Now, we don't get too much into the weeds. Sorry, man. <laughs> not, not those weeds, Travis. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was, oh, yeah, just we're... We are going to discuss important issues related to moving towards legislation that will build a healthier crypto future. So let's all lay down our arms for a few minutes and work together for a common cause we can all agree on. Lambos and moon for all. This is episode number 206 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? And welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for those that may be crypto curious, those that may be crypto serious. We welcome all here. We're like the Hard Rock Cafe. Love all, serve all, trademark Hard Rock Cafe. I know. Mm. What? I thought you said, what about weed? Dude, are you still in the weeds? I don't know, man. Because it's no, legal there good. now, right? In Missouri. <laughs> not technically. Not yet. Not until they do all their legal stuff and make it all. I mean, because Cal- in Colorado, what, it became legal in 2012 or whatever, and it didn't become legal until 2014. So there's like some grace period, I'm sure. And you've got all kinds of medical issues, I'm sure. That's true. I mean, lots of mental issues. My back, my glaucoma. I got uh, uh, my anxiety. You got a hangnail. <laughs> I got to deal with Joel Kahn multiple times a week. I mean, mm. <laughs> that is very much the truth. Well, we're glad that you guys are here. Thanks for listening to the show. And, and thanks to our sponsor, Digitex. Uh, by now, you should know that Digitex has got their own token, the DGTX token that will be used on their platform that you'll be able to trade Bitcoin, Ethereum and Litecoin futures contracts without paying a commission. No withdrawal fees, no deposit fees. These guys are moving forward in a big way. They've got a half a million people on their early access wait list right now. And you can be number 500,001 or somewhere in the ballpark if you just go to badco.in forward slash futures. Uh, Mr. Travis Wright and myself are advisors for this company. We dig it and we uh, we might have put our uh, advisory on the right horse here. Half a million people, Travis, waiting for early access. That is that is a lot of people. That's like almost a half a million. That, <laughs> it, it, that weed is still. I think, wow, man. Like what day uh, is it? So good. No, I, you know, Digitex is doing some cool stuff and wait until they launch that platform. I think they're going to launch it early Q1 or late Q4. I'm not sure exactly when it's launched, but it's going to be launching soon and uh, pretty sweet. It looks it looks really very professional, Mr. Jocom. Badco.in forward slash futures. You guys go ahead, check it out and get on the early access wait list so you don't have to wait too much longer. And we've got a really fascinating interview for you today. As I said in the intro, we're not going to get deep into the weeds. Mr. Travis Wright's handling that all by himself. Uh, But we are going to talk about how in the political arena we can move blockchain forward by electing candidates that are blockchain savvy. 
That is true. How do we, you know, solve the problems that we have with our government? And how do we solve problems that we have with our elections? How do we solve problems that we have just with people not agreeing, right? I mean, we have this two-party system. How can we make this better? And those are some of the things we cover today. Great questions. Let's get some answers. Blockchain and politics make interesting bedfellows, and there are people on all sides of the political spectrum that are believers in blockchain and are taking crypto as donations. Like Travis, we recently covered on Bad News episode that two Democrat uh, governors, both Jared Polis here of uh, Colorado and Gavin Newsom in California, both accepted Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash during their campaign. Yeah, more and more polit- you know, politicians are accepting crypto. You know, more and more governments are using blockchain within their, you know, country's government. And it's interesting to see the evolution and adoption of this fascinating technology. So today we have an interesting guest with us, don't we, Mr. Joel Com? We do. You know, when we talk about politics, most people think Republicans and Democrats, and that's, you know, all there are in terms of parties with platforms that are running for office. And, you know, recently we mentioned that John McAfee is planning on running for president under the Libertarian Party. And we have with us today the vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee. His name is Alex Merced. He's a three-time Libertarian Party candidate running in New York statewide and New York City citywide races. He's a host of several podcasts. He's a financial industry trainer. And as I said, he is currently the vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee. And he's here right now. Welcome to Bad Crypto, Alex. Thank you for having me. It's been an uh, exciting time um, in the crypto space, in the political space, in all spaces. Isn't it always challenging, though, as a libertarian? I mean, you walk away from every election kind of, you know, with a box of tissues pretty much, right? Uh, pretty much. But I mean, it, it just depends on what you're expecting. <laughs> we're, we're an emerging party trying to uh, grow. So basically, in this last election, we did see higher vote totals. We did win some offices. But of course, we're still a long way from necessarily being uh, the same size as Republicans or Democrats. Well, I mean, you're not, you know, you're not alone. I mean, there's also the the Green Party. I think we actually have uh, something like 40 parties, you know, in, in the U.S. And there's uh, so you guys actually get more attention than most of the other alternatives. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've we've done a lot of work over the last forty years. Um, when you're a th- when you're an emerging party, you kind of have to work on things like getting ballot access in many of the states. So a lot of people take for granted that Republicans and Democrats are kind of automatically in the ballot. So a lot of emerging parties are working on just getting to that point. So we're probably the furthest along in that front and having sort of automatic party status in as many states as possible. You know, this has been one of the things, Mr. Joel Com and I have had lots of conversations around on politics and just the, the dangers of having a two party system. Right. It's like, I, I, I've seen a lot of problems with that because you know, what happens traditionally over time is you have some, you know, especially in America, you have some very wealthy donors. They can donate to, you know, the different parties and the different candidates that they want to win. And a lot of times you get, you know, you get puppet masters and puppets and you only have two parties. It seems it's very easy to control, you know, what is it going to take for America to go to actually legitimize more parties where it's not just, you know, it's going to be Republican winner or a Democrat winner? Like, what is it actually going to take for some, you know, libertarian party people or, you know, the Green Party or any of these other ones to actually, you know, start winning some elections and winning some major seats in, 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 the, in the House and Senate? A lot of it's just building the infrastructure. So we've got a long ways in building out 
Um, one, building a coalition, trying to find constituencies that other parties aren't serving. That's one of the things we're really actively doing in the Libertarian Party, especially in the blockchain space. We just established a, a blockchain committee where we are trying to gather information on sort of what things different states are doing regarding blockchain regulation. Um, so that way we can be better advocates um, for blockchain technology. Um, but on top of that, it's also just building out the infrastructure from state to state so that way you can actually turn out voters, stuff like that. But um, we're, we're getting there. We're doing better. Um, but also, it's just a matter of a two, with the way a lot of the election laws are, you just end up with that dynamic of an election becoming, well, who's less worse? Problem is, when you vote for less worse, you always end up with less worse. Um, but that's just, there's a lot of things that need to change before we, we, we turn that around. All right. Well, without getting too knee deep, Deep in the politics, as I started with, you know, blockchain has been something that people from various parties are interested in. But it seems that the Libertarian Party is the most uh, true to the the ideals of Bitcoin. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, basically, a lot of what blockchain is about is about decentralization, giving people more control over uh, a data, a transparency, and those are a lot of the things that the Libertarian Party is very for. I mean, a lot of Libertarians are early adopters of cryptocurrency, of blockchain technology. So it's it's a natural affinity. I know not everyone in the blockchain space is Libertarian, but a lot of us are. Like, I've been a huge blockchain fan following Bitcoin for a very long time. Um, I do uh, podcasting in the blockchain space. I do advocacy in the blockchain space. So this is why recently I had a motion passed on the National Committee to create a blockchain committee. And uh, basically, we'll be having the first meeting of that committee soon. And the goal is to really kind of uh, ratchet up uh, blockchain advocacy within the Libertarian Party. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of articles and stuff out there that talks about how Bitcoin and libertarianism and how like, you know, Bitcoin with its freedom from central authority and its decentralized nature is like a dream for libertarians. So, you know, where would you say just just for for clarification for most people? Right. So like, you know, Democrat parties on the left. Um, you know, Republican Party is on the right. In theory, I know that me personally, I have a few beliefs over here, a few beliefs over there, a few yeah. beliefs here. And so libertarian, is that like in the center? Is it center left, center right? Is it where exactly is is libertarians on the spectrum? The way I always think about it is we're having a different conversation than everybody else. And sometimes it feels that way when you're advocating as well. But um, bottom line is most people are kind of talking about like, OK, this is the version of the world that I think the world should be. How can we use, or let's argue over who has the power over government to make the world that way, while libertarians are not necessarily saying this is how the world should be, just saying the what, whatever you think the world should be, we should do it by sort of having to convince each other through sort of voluntary means. So it's more of a means-focused mm -hmm. party than an ends-focused party mm. or just or outlook. So that's why, like to me, things like blockchain are actually something that can actually really thread the needle for not just libertarians, but progressives and conservatives. Because just the idea of, let's say, like a decentralized enterprise, like they, like a lot of these uh, companies that are building on top of blockchain, that eventually when you have like hosting on the blockchain, you can actually create businesses whose entire thing can be automated and the profits distributed through sort of the tokens. You can actually have a much more egalitarian economic system that way without actually any kind of government control or government central management. So you have that sort of libertarian desire for more voluntary world, but you still have a much more participatory economic system like progressives would want and a free market like libertarians and conservatives want. And blockchain can really offer that, which is what gets me really excited. So what are some of the things that you're seeing 
take place, you know, in the blockchain space that uh, in, the Libertarian Party is is having a hand in, in moving along, especially over the last couple of years? Well, right now, as far as the party goes, we're going to really sort of start the pioneer pioneer into that space. We have some candidates who have been really aggressive at advocating, especially over there in New Hampshire, where um, the New Hampshire party does a lot. Basically, Libertarian Party events are some of the only events where I know I can always spend my Bitcoin, my Litecoin, my Ethereum to buy uh, campaign T-shirts and stuff like that. But aside from actually trying to adopt more usage of the cryptocurrency and sometimes uh, the discussion of using blockchain voting in some of our uh, conventions is some of the other spaces. So we're trying to actually embrace the usage of the technology and also advocating for the technology. But um, it's still in its early stages. I know here in New York, our governor candidate, Larry Sharp, was hugely campaigning against the idea of the bit license in New York. Because in New York, we have very limited access to a lot of blockchain businesses. Because if you don't get this bit license from New York, you're not really allowed to serve New York customers. So I know this has affected me where I'll go to a different uh, wallet or a different uh, different vendor, and then they say, hey, sorry, we can't help you because you live in New York. And basically, Larry Sharp campaigned on that, and he had a lot of sort of uh, blockchain support because he was trying to open up the ability for a lot of blockchain businesses to be able to serve New York customers. And a lot of New York customers wanted to be able to be patrons of those businesses. But the problem is with licensing, politicians have to decide who gets the licenses, and it's only like two or three businesses in New York that actually have been able to get those licenses. Hmm. Yeah, that's wild. So in an ideal world then for you, you know, as a libertarian and, you know, one of the leaders within the libertarian party, you know, what would the world look like if, you know, if it was governed by libertarians? Um, Bottom line is you'd have much more decentralized government, uh, governance, basically decisions of how, like, would there still be plenty of rules in deciding on how we interact with each other, but they'd be decided at different levels, not just at one central federal government. You'd have more interaction from localities from the businesses you, you you patron, from the organizations you patron. Governance would come at all levels. But at the end of the day, a libertarian world can look really any way. But, you would, but probably te- technological adoption would be much quicker because people would be free to embrace technology. People would be excited about innovation because you'd have just that much more free movement of capital to investment and things like that. So a libertarian world doesn't look in any particular way, but everyone would just have more freedom to do more of what they're already doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the good things would be accelerated. We like when good things accelerate. So what do you think of uh, McAfee throwing his hat in the ring to be the Libertarian nominee for 2020? Um, McAfee's a lot of fun. I remember him in 2016. Uh, I interviewed him when he came to the New York convention and uh, uh, got to hang out with him and Judd Weiss, his vice presidential candidate, back in the 2016 convention. I definitely enjoy his crypto advocacy and enthusiasm for crypto and just uh, the tech expertise he brings to the to the libertarian uh, conversation. So I'm excited about having him as part of that conversation. As well, the vice chair, I try not to make a decision on who I like best, but I'm excited that there's more and more candidates throwing their hats in the ring. Well, you know, he has no intention of winning. He just mm-hmm. wants the voice to bring the blockchain conversation and win the nomination so he can stand on the platform and have these debates with the Republican and Democrat nominee. Yeah, and there's a lot of things you can do as a candidate. So basically, if you're as a candidate in the Libertarian Party primary or as the eventual nominee of the party, you could be running to win. You could be running to be part of the conversation and try to make sure that a certain issue gets talked about. And if that's what McAfee is doing, if he can make the case of Libertarian Party delegates, that that's, um, that's what we should do in 20, uh, 2020, then that's what we'll do in 2020. But 
if anyone wants to help steer what direction we go in, they get involved. We become a delegate to the 2020 convention in Austin, Texas. And who knows? We may end up with a, a McAfee uh, nomination. And McAfee will make sure the crypto conversation is there in 2020. Mm. You know, this in this past year, I actually, I did vote for Gary Johnson. I thought that, um, you know, it was one of those things where I'm like, you know what? I really would like there to be, you know, more candidates. I would like there to be more parties. And I'm going to lend my vote because, for one, it was like, do I want Hillary or do I want Trump in that part? And I was like, eh, I, I'm going to vote for Gary Johnson because I actually like the guy better, right? I thought he could do a good job. It's just so amazing how much hate you get when you're like, oh, you didn't vote for one of them? Well, then, eh, you just wasted your vote. And, like, people got all mad. But I'm like, for me personally, I would love to actually see ranked voting where a lot of comp- a lot of countries actually do this to so say my first choice is Gary Johnson and I and then Gary Johnson didn't win but then all of his votes would go to that next candidate up that I chose as my number 2. So if I chose Trump as my number 2 and then Hillary as my number 3, then Trump would actually have gotten that vote instead. And so that I think it actually would lend itself to, you know, maybe having some of these smaller parties get elected potentially and it works in some of the other countries. Is that a solution that you guys have thought of or is that something you guys have have tried to maybe push as a uh, as a possibility? Oh, yeah. Electoral reform at all levels, not just in how we vote, but also how you get on the ballot. When do you become an official party? They say these are all things we push for. And we work with other parties like the Green Party and trying to make some of those reforms in, on, some, on the local level. But I love things like ranked choice voting, approval voting, um, not only because it gives third parties more of an opportunity, but also changes the way you campaign. Right now, all you have to do is be better than the other guy. So negative campaigning is rewarded when it's just whoever gets past 50% past the post. But when you have like a voting where basically it matters that you're second choice, um, then you want to be friendly to the other candidate because you want their supporters to at least pick you as their second choice. So it lends hand to a much more friendly, uh, much more open uh, discussion type political atmosphere. Dare, dare we say we would have some civility? Dare we? Yes, we should dare. <laughs> That would be awesome. You know, I, it's kind of funny because whenever we talk about um, presidential campaigns, I have a tendency to want to see, like, who else ran? And there's actually on Ranker.com, you could look at the alternative presiden- presidential candidates for 2016. And the guy who got the most upvotes, his name is Vermin Supreme. Um, and he is a red, he's wearing like a boot on his head and he's dressed really crazy. He's a republic slash anarchist who here's his here's his. Um, party platform. He wants to ensure that every American gets a free pony and that we finally do time travel research. So, you uh, know, there, there are alternatives. Yes, Berman's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I run into him quite often at different political events. I have one of his glitter ties that he sells at the events. Uh, Berman is a fun guy who wants mandatory toothbrushes for all and a pony and a pony-based economy. That's great. I like that one guy who's like, the rent is too damn high! Like, that guy Jimmy McMillan. Yeah, that's good stuff. Is that was that Vermin too? Same guy? Uh, no, no, no. Jimmy McMillan was a guy right out of here in New York, right here. I think he's he's out of Brooklyn where I live. And uh, basically, he originally ran for a New York City governor, and then everyone just loved the whole rents too damn high thing. And then he joined the Republican Party, and I think he actually ran for president on the Republican line. But it was a very sort of under the radar campaign. Oh, that's hilarious. So l- let me ask you then about this because here we are. Today is November tenth when we're actually interviewing when we're interviewing you. And as of right now, the election's not over, right? There's a few counties that apparently have found random boxes of ballots that benefit, it seems to be benefiting one party uh, over another. And, and so, you know, 
a, a lot of people looking at this like, mm, this is a little bit shady. How can blockchain maybe save us from all of this? Because, you know, I, there's not a whole lot of trust between the parties and between people today. And how can we get that back? Bottom line, like, yes, there's a lack of trust just because the system has become so polarized. And this is why I do think that electoral reform makes a difference, because if you have a more civil discourse, people trust more. And your institutions, you don't end up with the polarization you have now that causes all that distrust where everyone is doubting everybody. Everyone thinks everyone's out to get the other person. But to do that, you do need electoral reforms. You do need to have more options. And I think some of those electoral reforms do get their door opened up with technologies like uh, like blockchain, because you can have that transparency of the voting system in the future. That, that's going to be possible where you're not necessarily worrying about a provisional box showing up out of nowhere. Because we've had that experience, too. In Idaho, we had a Bethany uh, Baldez who she a libertarian candidate who pretty much won for state legislature. She won by like 55 votes. Then at the last minute, a box of provisional ballots appeared and suddenly we lost by 65 votes. Magical. Um, the magical box of provisional ballots. Yeah. So it, that does happen. But with things like uh, blockchain, hopefully in the future, we can use that kind of technology to make sure the voting is transparent, it's visible, and, it's, and then we're not waiting a week to find out what the results are. And we can, that'll help build some trust back into our institutions. Oh. But at the same time, electoral reform will help reduce some of the polarization in the way we campaign. Yeah, that's great. I live here in Kansas. I live here in the Kansas City in the Missouri side. And I'm pretty sure Claire McCaskill, who lost, is over there like, yo, y'all got any more of them provisional votes? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I need, we got some of them bringing my way. Um, so that was that was just a sad joke. Sorry, guys. I, that, was, that was a great <laughs> impression, Travis. That was amongst your best impressions. So, you know, uh, what? What uh, if people want to get involved in moving blockchain forward from a political angle, what do you recommend, you know, they do um, to, to help? Okay, they can join. Um, we'll join the Libertarian Party um, if you want to help within the Libertarian Party. We have a blockchain committee, and the blockchain committee, the focus is going to be doing research. So we're going to need all the volunteers we can get to help us get that information as far as what states are doing what regarding blockchain regulations, um, what candidates are speaking for blockchain, who is speaking against blockchain, uh, what, what blockchain businesses are based out of each state. The idea is to make sure that our candidates have the information available to them so that way they can effectively advocate for blockchain so we can actually, um, and it's not just about getting candidates elected, it's also about making sure that we can put forward ballot initiatives that could enable blockchain, fight against ballot initiatives that don't, lobby against and for for legislation that helps the blockchain space. Uh, all that comes out of this research project. So it helps everybody in different ways to get that information and kind of create that knowledge base of, the, of blockchain in the political space. So the blockchain committee to get involved you can contact me. Uh, just add me on, on Facebook or email me alexmerced at lp.org or alex.merced at lp.org. And I can steer you to the, the, the Facebook group we have for the blockchain committee. But also there's a caucus. So caucus are like independently organized groups uh, within a political party. There's a caucus called the Mises Caucus, who is also very aggressively sort of advocating for blockchain. And that's another organization within the party you can be part of to help advocate for blockchain. It seems it seems like to, to us, Alex, we've had discussions about this uh, quite a bit. Mr. Joel Common, I have. It almost seems like there's an attack on free speech in some ways where, you know, where certain opinions are getting, you know, quietly, you know, eliminated from the Internet and other ones are not. I mean, is, is do you see any other solutions or how, how can how can we eliminate, you know, the censorship that's going on and, and create, you know, civil discourse in, in America again? You know, it's not just right versus left or right versus wrong you know it's like 
we should all be able to speak our mind and be able to, you know, use critical thinking to determine, you know, what we believe and not have things thrusted upon us. What's the solution for some of this? Do you have any idea on how, you know, we can move forward as a society more effectively and not be censoring people we, we don't agree with? Yeah, so two, two answers to that. The first is the answer to the question of how to sort of get around censorship or how to prevent censorship. And this is where this is why I always love decentralization. This is why I love blockchain. But there's also a social network called Mastodon, where they kind of took a sort of that decentralized approach to a Twitter-like social network, where instead of having sort of one node, one server that's run by one company, you have several servers that are run by different people. So basically, there's no one person who can just kind of shut you out of that network. Um, so that kind of thing really kind of opens up the conversation, allows there to be a free speech. I mean, there was another social network called Gab that that's trying to do the same thing, but they're centrally run. And, you know, they're running issues with the, who uh, there's their people who uh, run their servers, stuff like that. While Mastodon doesn't have that problem because it's decentralized hosting. Um, so I love that. But also far as civility goes, basically we have the way people behave is based, based on the way they see other people behave. So this is the problem, especially right now. When people win through fear, they win through polarization. Then people think, oh, that's how you win. I'm going to copy that. So we have to set an example. So this is what I'm encouraging all Libertarian Party candidates. That's what I, after winning the position of vice chair this year, what I've been in, the model I've been trying to set is a model of positivity, of trying to win by inspiring hope, by inspiring kindness, by because we can win doing that, then other people will start winning, whether they're within or without the Libertarian Party, they'll begin to model that model of success. And that's a much better model towards civility than the current model we're seeing, which is basically be mean, call your enemy a jerk, um, and basically since 2016, that's sort of been the model for winning. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It seems a lot of people just believe what they're told and, and are following the lead of people who are manipulating their minds and their own belief system. And it, it, it's discouraging people to think for themselves. It's, it just amazes me how many people think that they're thinking for themselves who are being controlled. And uh, not not bad crypto listeners, though, because we have the best free thinkers. Well, Alex, is there anything else you want to tell the citizens of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia? We are a benevolent dictatorship and we welcome free speech here. Yes. Um, basically, if you found anything I had to say today interesting, you can learn more about the Libertarian Party at LP.org. Uh, you can also see a lot of my blockchain advocacy personally over there at Bitcoin. Uh, BitcoinBlockchainCrypto.com, where I put out videos trying to educate people on blockchain, um, etc. So that it's uh, I'm constantly trying to do as much work to make the world a better place as possible. So feel free to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just type in Alex Merced, you'll find me. But um, I'm always open open to helping out and working with anyone in the right direction. So thank you guys very much for having me here today. And thanks, Alex, for spending time with us. We're, we're so nice that you're, we're so glad that you're our neighbor. Sure, it was nice of you to stop by the neighborhood of make-believe today. That is so true. You know what? I was like, Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. Did you ever see that on Saturday Night Live back when Saturday Night Live was hilarious? I uh, did. I did. But I want to give a shout out to Fred Rogers. You know, Mr. Hmm. Rogers was an amazing person. And on, I think it was a plane to my last uh, to my trip to Moscow, I watched a documentary. I think it was called Won't You Be My Neighbor? 
And it was amazing. If it, Go watch this thing because what you saw was what you got with Fred Rogers and the impact he had was phenomenal. You'll, you will walk away from watching this documentary inspired. You'll want to be a better person, I promise. Won't you be my neighbor is the name of it. And you know what? I mean, he, he, you know, children's TV would not be what it is today without Fred Rogers because he w- really went to Congress. He, you know, he put his money where his mouth was and he said, hey, we need to make shows that teach kids compassion and how to help people and just to make people better people. And so he was very instrumental for Sesame Street and all of those shows that, that, that came after him. And uh, he was great. There's actually this hilarious, I don't know if you've ever seen this gif. It's like somebody was talking to him and then he like, he looked over at the camera and then he flipped him off and then he flipped him off with both fingers. So it's hilarious. If you actually look at Mr. Rogers middle finger, like you can find the gif of him flipping off and that's actually legit. (laughs) So you're saying he's a great guy and here he is giving you the bird. He's a totally great guy. He stood up for what he believed in. And there's a link in the show notes at badco.in forward slash 206. It contains that link as well as all links mentioned here in the show. And uh, as we gear up for the holiday season, we've got some exciting things that are coming your way. We've got some great guests that are lined up for future episodes and I uh, can neither confirm nor deny that there might be another show on the way, but it, it's not what you think it's going to be. Mm-mm. It's going to be something else. Mm, you're such an enigma, Mr. Joel Com. I am an enigma wrapped in a conundrum, uh, wrapped in a puzzle filled with bacon. Mm, that's good. What about a mystery? This is a big mystery. No, there's no, there's no mystery. There's no mystery. Okay. never mind. Nope. I like Maybe. the conundrum. Yeah. No, the, the, no you're the, wrapped in a kadum dum. <laughs> the mystery has been solved, and hmm. the answer to the mystery of the universe is to stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.